0: The Roundball Project is brought to you by Strip Tees, the one-stop shop for the discerning Australian football fan. They specialize in designing football-centric shirts, hoodies, phone cases, and masks—yes, masks—plus a whole lot more, so you can look as good around town as you do at the game. Find them at striptees.com.au. That's s-t-r-i-p-t-e-e-s.com.au. Enjoy the podcast. Did the fullback bring him down first time, maybe even second time? Still, we go on. Uric has dribbled his way. Welcome to the Roundball Project. I'm your host, Neil Simons, and joining me is the chairman of the AAFC, Nick Galatis. Nick has had a long and storied career within the bounds of Australian football, having been the longtime chairman of Australian football powerhouse, South Melbourne. For some background information, the AAFC are a coalition encompassing uh, national Premier League sides from state federations and the ACT. More than 40,000 players play in their clubs in June of last year the national second division group working group released a white paper that outlined the plan for a national second division within Australia being lauded amongst the public the AFC's work extends to all facets of governance within our game from, from the cost of play to the ability for Australia to form a national second division the championship as it's known is being worked on to this day And Nick and I will dissect everything to do with this, the identity of Australian football clubs and more. Myself as a man born into the age of the A-League, this will give myself intense insight into the inner workings and feelings surrounding the state of association football clubs within this wonderful country. On a personal note, this will be one of my most uh, favoured podcasts and most pivotal podcasts along this journey, as like the namesake of this podcast, this competition is a project in the making. Welcome, Nick.
1: Thank you, Neil. Thanks very much. Good to be here.
0: Fantastic. Uh, Nick, I thought we'd give some insight uh, for the listeners into your background. Uh, so, what really caught your eye about football and, I guess, broadly Australian football?
1: Well, um, hard to say, Neil, because I don't remember when I first started. I, I, I've been in love with the game since I can remember. i 55 now, so... I go back to the early 70s, um, a child of uh, Greek immigrants to this country, lived in Richmond, Melbourne, uh, which was a place where many um, people of Greek background came, settled. Um, I remember our first black and white television. Um, well, I would have been six or seven years old, staying up till all hours of the night on a Saturday night to watch Hugh Johns introduce Star Soccer. Uh, and uh, from there, I somehow fell in love with Legion Ode uh, from the age of seven. Billy Bremer Congratulations. Congratulations. Thank you very much, Johnny Giles, (laughs) for celebrating a bit. Uh, And at the same time, of course, I was a South Melbourne fan, uh, and uh, at about the same time, and I don't know how or why, I began to follow AEK Athens, AEK, uh, in Greece. So I would uh, have three teams since I was seven or eight, or thereabouts, and I followed them um, very, very closely throughout my whole life, from afar. Of course, since then, I've been to, say, I in Greece. I've not yet seen Leeds. It's my next project when we come out of this uh, current um, restriction period. And, of course, I've spent a lot of time watching um, South Melbourne here in Australia. So that's been my sort of introduction to watching the game. Parents didn't really like the game. My father wasn't a, wasn't a fan, wasn't a goer. Uh, but I played from a young kid at school, like we all did, um, and I played, yeah, through primary school, high school. Didn't join a club till I was 15 because my father didn't take me anywhere. And I, when I was 15, I joined my local club, having moved to Baldwin in Melbourne. I joined Kew Park Rangers. People think I played for QPR and I don't want to tell them I didn't. Kew <laughs> uh, Park Rangers. And I played there as a kid. Played for a few uh, clubs. Uh, um, Hawthorne um, in Melbourne. I played for Q and they then merged with Moreland. And subsequently, I played for a local uh, club called Baldwin. Uh and I very much enjoyed that. Reached no great heights, as uh, I'm constantly reminded. But um, I'm still playing. I still play some uh, indoor football with friends, and I've been doing that uh, ever since. Never had a break, and to this uh, day, we still play, uh, restrictions permitting. So that's my background in playing the game. Uh, I've also, as you noted in your introduction, Neil. Um, got involved uh, on the um, board at South Melbourne in 2007, um, subsequently became chairman of that club for about 10 years and had the honor of um, being involved with a very hardworking board at that club uh, and in collaboration with many other very hardworking boards in, the, in our competition to keep our game alive in Victoria and Australia uh, and to do the best we could for our club. So we're all uh, hardworking volunteers. I was just one of very many. Um, and uh, had the uh, opportunity to assist uh help our club through south melbourne through a very very tough period um into uh, hopefully what will be um, um a very um bright future for it and many other clubs in our country
0: That's a very oh, that's wonderful yeah it's it, i guess for for do you consider yourself a administrator or just like between the the fan and the, the chairman where do you like to align yourself um, in your personal um, view?
1: I've never thought of, I've never thought of it that way, Neil. I've just seen myself as being involved in the game. I don't see myself as an administrator. I'm not paid. I'm a volunteer. I've never been uh, paid in the game at all. I think I received one or two pay packets when I played at one point for Q, and I was totally shocked. Uh, but that's been the extent <laughs> involvement in the game. Um, uh, I. Um, like many others uh, many other people involved with our clubs uh, volunteer my time Uh, people do what they can we each uh, work to our capacity and we achieve what we each can do some are more football focused some are more uh, focused in administration I I was um, at the club at South Melbourne at a time when we went through great change Uh, the NPL was introduced before then we uh, secured our you know, our board, secured our long-term tenure at South Melbourne then, the club's long-term tenure at uh, Lakeside Stadium, um, and many, many other um, uh, involvements in the game at administrative level. So probably I've administered more. I see myself as a volunteer and as a fan. I and I a think... player, I should still. Not a particularly good one, but I'm still playing. <laughs>
0: I can definitely um, take you up on that, being a worse player, for sure. I'm not I'm not the best player, in my view, either. But uh, obviously, the AAFC is actually fairly new. Um, it's only about three years old. And I guess, uh, yeah, so what really caused that group to, group to come about? And I guess since that uh, establishment, what have been some of the challenges that you've had to experience?
1: Um, it's, its formation is actually, I think, something for... The game in Australia to be proud of in a way, although it was formed out of frustration, and although um, many the, the reason clubs of course anybody joins a group uh, which is effectively uh, a group that wants to, be, to give itself a voice to give its participants and constituents a voice is the need for that voice, so the clubs felt a sense of frustration that joined this, but the actual formation of it, I think is a true indicator of the feeling and passion within our game in the country so uh, it was early March 2017, when about 80 plus, it was more than 80 teams from around the country, uh, came to Melbourne at Sports House, in Albert Park, where we met. It was really convened within about three weeks, convened by some Melbourne uh, clubs, and we, uh, I was one of the founding members of the Association of Australian Football Clubs. There was a few of us who got together, formed the group, invited all clubs to join and to our really pleasant surprise, as I say, more than 80 clubs flew in on their own time, volunteers on their own time on a Monday night. They came from as far as Perth, as far as um, Townsville, um, and everywhere in Tasmania, and everywhere in between, Canberra, to uh, meet at Melbourne, share ideas, share really frustrations on that night, form the group, formally form the group. Um, and really we launched from there. And uh, I'm proud to say that really since then, um, the people within it have worked very, very hard. Um, uh, our, our board has been a very hard working board led by um, Robbie Crane, or Tommy I should say, firstly Robby Crame afterwards and now me and, and assisted by, by all our board. So really achieve, to achieve, um, really a seat at the table to represent um, our clubs, our NPL clubs and to give them a voice because they really didn't have one. And the NPL was something that was rolled out in a particular way that we might come to later in the conversation, which really left clubs very much to their own devices uh, and in a way which wasn't really productive of their their best selves. So that's what really caused them to want to come and join, uh, share, and hopefully improve.
0: And I guess uh, the AFC, obviously, you mentioned uh, what what it was formed out of just sheer frustration, which I completely re- uh, resonate with um, as someone who, um, you know, my local MPL club would be probably South Melbourne, actually, to be honest. And uh, just to see the, the dedication and loyalty that they share to that, to, to that wonderful club is, is really uh, commendable. And the frustration emanating from um, 15 or 16 years of a, a lack of inclusion, uh, we'll clearly get to some clubs and it clearly has, and it's, it's time for reform, um, as you do mentioned. So in terms of your position uh, regarding the national, Premier, national Premier Leagues, uh, you've made uh, inroads into um, establishing a review into the national Premier Leagues. What will that sort of entail? And what do you aim to extrapolate from that uh, review?
1: Well, at the moment, uh, an M- NPR an review was started, um, Neil, but it's been put on hold. It's in hibernation, really, because...
0: Uh, obviously. ...partial
1: yeah. COVID, obviously. But also, as you will have seen, the FFA has recently uh, introduced what it's termed its 11 principles. Um, it has um, put out surveys. It's asked people to participate. We welcome uh, FFA's, really, uh, invitation to the, the public at large, the football public at large, to participate in... Um, the um, reform, improvement, um, and general um, advancement of the game. So we're seeing really that there's really going more of an alignment of the game is going on, and a realignment of the game is going on as a whole at the moment. And so the NPL, what we see as AHCs, we represent um, uh, clubs who are NPL clubs, and we hope to give those clubs uh, an opportunity to find a particular their particular level. Be they a Melbourne Heights in Melbourne or an Apia Leichardt in Sydney or a Wollongong uh, Wolves or a Brisbane Strikers or Adelaide City, wherever they may happen to be in the country, uh, or as part of the bigger clubs, or any one of our almost you know, 200 smaller clubs, they need to be able to find their level, serve the community at the level at which they, they those members based um, democratic clubs, uh, want to be. have to remember that a lot of these clubs go back you know as much as 100 years some 70 some 60 some 50 years and they were formed by people and to not to serve some wider purpose but really to serve the communities from which they were formed to play football to play in the best way they could and they all have different they've evolved in different ways some now can um field a huge number of junior teams some can't some are more senior team focused it doesn't matter it really is about, from our perspective, about allowing those clubs to find a level and their particular level and to play within that level and to grow within that level. And they can move. Nothing says that a club is this or that or in this position or that position. Today, they're in the suburb, which is um, defined by many children. Next 10, 20 years, that might be in a gentrified suburb. You might have fewer children, more supporters, who knows? So we, we, we want to allow and enable flexibility. Um, the clubs, some of the bigger clubs that we have, they, they're not the clubs they were of 30 or 40 years ago for numerous reasons, you know, and, and different reasons. So they are what they are, and we need to enable them really to grow and to not put them in, in, in positions in little boxes. So what we uh, see as part of the NPL review really is to um, take the restrictions away from the clubs. They were turned the NPL clubs and licensed as such uh, a number of years ago, really to, you know, given a role of producing players, which hasn't really worked in the way it was yeah. structured, yeah. Uh, within an A-League system that has also changed enormously. So now A-League's, A-League A teams have academies. They didn't have those when the MPL was formed. So that particular function, in fact, was one of the triggers for the formation of AAHC, that particular function is no longer what it was. So what we're saying is the MPL review is a part of the whole review, including the formation the enablement, really, of a of a of a division below the A League, because there are many strong clubs within the NPL system now who um, really don't necessarily belong in a restricted small state federation. They can grow and form another national league, and then um, take on the obligations and the, and the um, the some of the onerous obligations really that are imposed now on all NPL teams. Which cause all sorts of problems, restrictions, cost of football going up, um, lots of kids around the country pl- probably paying way too much to play than what they should be, because we've imposed these rules and restrictions on hundreds of clubs around the country and obligations. So we see the, um, the formation of a second division and the reform of the NPL as one, and we and we see that that assisting the game to align in Australia, which is something the FFA is talking about. Not only from a seasonal perspective, but also from a structural perspective.
0: All right. So, in term, we spoke uh, the other day in terms of uh, what A League clubs represent or club sides, franchises, or whatever you want to call them. Um, as mm-hmm. someone who, myself, as I mentioned before, I grew up with the victory, the victory, they're, they're my club. Um, and it mean a lot to me as someone who's spent 18 years on this earth just knowing all about the victory. Well, not 18, they only performed 16 years ago. Anyway, um, how does the NPL sort of deviate from the A-League in terms of, I guess, historical background, um, the constitutional framework that, the, that they're based around, and more broadly, And how do you feel that the AFC are able to uh, fix that or embrace that?
1: Well, we're not. Um, I mean, the A League's the A League, and we, we've got no difficulty with the A League. Uh, the A League now um, has 11, about to go to 12 teams, one of which is in New Zealand, and and that's good, that's fine. But that really would, we will, as of next season, the A League have 11 teams in Australia. Um, so what we want to see is just we, you know, as many strong teams in Australia, many strong clubs in Australia, as we can, as Australia can have. They're not all going to be the same, and we we think sameness is is a problem. I mean. For example, you've got Newcastle. Now, Newcastle is a wonderful football town. Um, I've been there. I've followed, Newcastle have had, have had really a team at the top level of Australian football for me, for decades. But they're not necessarily going to be um, as strong as or, or, as a Melbourne victory, let's say, or a strong Melbourne team or a Sydney team because they come from a smaller place. And they, you look at traditional um, regional football clubs from around the world with um, strong football cultures. Um, there are regional teams, there are big city teams, there are different teams that serve different needs. Now, in Australia, we've got daily uh, plays under participation uh, agreements. They've all got requirements, KPIs. Uh, sporting merit harder comes into it. So, um, from our perspective, again, allow these teams to go. Allow Melbourne Victory to be where they can be. That's what they're going to tell you, I think, as well. But they could probably become much stronger than they are. Don't restrict them. Allow. Yeah, I, I uh, certainly hope they do allow teams to fall within their level if if you if you have a linked system that goes from not from 1 to 12 but from 1 to 60 let's say and I just pick 60 out of the blue 1 to 4 doesn't matter what it is 150 um, people will find their level a Central Coast Mariners might enjoy falling into one day one day being able to fall into a strong viable second division where they can um, regroup breathe come again you know, a Newcastle might make a run, come second, third, maybe even win it one year. Their players will get picked off as they as they do around the world. They'll fall back into the pack, but that creates that interest, that tension in the in the game that we don't have here. And it also alleviates some of the pressure. You don't need you know a smaller team and a bigger team playing under the same participation license it makes it very very difficult just organically. So we we see really the freeing up of the game to allow teams that they can be. So the MPL is not about uh, affecting in any way the A League, we're not about affecting the A League at all. It's really about uh, affecting the environment of the game below the A League, so that the A League actually has options later. So and and also so that the people that support other teams other than A League teams uh, can feel like they are potentially a part of the top tier of the game. They can feel included, and if they feel like they're included, not uh, isolated out and excluded as is the case now. Excluded um, from the A League in the sense of their team, the club being able to participate at the top tier, then if those people can feel a part of it, they'll watch it. I mean, as a Leeds United supporter, I've got no issue with watching, um, you know, Liverpool play Man City. Uh, whereas if I felt that Leeds would never play uh, in the top tier, I might not. And this is part of I think the issue. You just have everyone has to be a part of the game. And vice versa, mind you. I'm sure there are many, you know, Liverpool fans who watch Leeds games. So. This is the whole thing that we don't have to um, uh, be placed in silos and be placed exactly. in groups with mm-hmm. a particular purpose. We should grow from below, and the purpose will come. We don't need to worry about where we're going if we've got a strong base.
0: Yeah, I think you echo that sent that, that sentiment should be echoed. I think it is being echoed amongst the amongst the the footballing fraternity within this country, especially with the I wouldn't say flailing early ratings because. There's certainly been dampened in recent weeks, that's for sure. Um, if, if what Media Week will tell you is true, or Oztam. Um, but um, that sort of loyalty, not to the club, but to the league. That that loyalty to follow the league and build the Australian football base to a point where um, it's respected even more than it is now. And I guess, uh, as, you met, well, as we've sp- spoken about before, about that white paper that was curated, um, obviously being uh, over a year ago now, that process, how much time and dedication was put into that, and just a bit of a question: Are there any alterations that you'd make to that paper in light of the recent events, being COVID, and I guess the recent restructuring to winter as well, um, that has been flagged by James Johnson? Not, not sure if that'll be a permanent move, but um, will s- certainly for the foreseeable future.
1: Um, the white paper, Neil, uh, was just—I mean, it was just a paper. It was there to—it uh, provided um, uh, three recommendations and numerous considerations uh, and it was really it, it, it formed the national second division um, steering committee and from there we started to develop the second division um, we've of course had a few uh, issues intervene in the meantime but if I can just pick you up I'll come back to it if I can pick you up on one point you said earlier about loyalty to the league and the club I, mean, I think it's a bit of both I think everyone forgets that people don't barrack for leagues they don't barrack for administrations they don't support what they do is they support and they love their team that's, that's what comes first. And if you've got a league... Oh, obviously, compar- it's imperative, yeah. If you've got a league comprised of clubs, which are all loved by their own supporters, some will be hated. That, that's that's fine too. Yeah. Provided that I think I saw... Hate. Sorry sorry and to really
0: interrupt. I saw, I saw this piece on SBS the other day saying that we need an A-league side that we can hate. And I personally yeah, yeah. agree with that. You know, for me, I just like the City Football Group. That's just me. Because um, I'm a United fan and that's just who I am.
1: As but I but, that, the, but the difference is, see, you can you can hate them, but um, what I also saw that piece, and they started talking about creating one, and that's a, again we fall into this trap of making. We don't make; we just let these things organically develop. So, yeah, it's organic; it has come, to
0: be natural, exactly.
1: And the love teams, the second, the, everybody's second team will come. Everybody's love team will come. You don't need to do it overnight. We need some time for these things to develop. So again, it's more about nobody. Nobody is an FFA supporter or an EPL supporter or a. A, AFL supporter, they love their clubs. That's what they do. We're in the most supported um, uh, jurisdictions. I mean, I, I'm an AFL supporter too. I love Richmond. I don't love the AFL. I love Richmond. I grew up there. I've got an affinity with that with that club that that will never go away. But that's just that's inexplicable. You can't make me like them. Uh, you can't take them away and merge them with somebody and tell me they like someone else because I like AFL. Um, it's it's the club, and I think this is an absolute fundamental key, and exactly. it takes time to do. You were born into Melbourne Victory, so to speak, and you explain how you've got that love for them. Well, so many people were born into other clubs.
0: Exactly, and that, those
1: so. can't just migrate their, their love for love to another team. It just doesn't exactly. happen.
0: That's uh, that's, that's, uh, that's yeah.
1: United. They're out of the EPL. Uh, I remained a supporter of them right through their 16 years of of um, wandering all the way down to League One. So it's just the way it is, and. We need um, that to be uh, harnessed and fostered and that's what's going to bring the base to the game back. So I'm very, very keen to say, yes, we want a league we can respect and, and love as well. You want to you win your league, so you want to like your league sufficiently and respect your league sufficiently so that winning it means something, um, so that you care for it. But that's ultimately not what you're doing. Now. That happens a bit in America, which is you know, not the greatest football model to follow. They have. Um, they, I, I will.
0: I will say though, that they've definitely deviated from the marquee, and they've definitely started to create homegrown talent like uh, Alfonso Davies and and Christian. not Pulisic, but they've definitely deviated from that traditional marquee standpoint. But the franchise model is uh, it's 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 embedded within the American sports. It's not just. Yeah.
1: Well, culture and also everything else. I mean, you know, they'll, they'll go to a franchise coffee shop before they'll go to the local coffee shop. It's just that's part of that culture, and that's it is what it is. But we think there's a better way here, and um, yeah. that's our view. Uh, and other people can have their view, but we'll, we'll pursue and prosecute our view, and put it forward for consideration. And ultimately, we're just one of the stakeholders in the game. We're not going. We're not imposing our, our position. We hope we can be persuasive. We hope that if people see what we bring. Or what our clubs bring uh it'll be a, of great benefit um but you did ask me about look what, what the second division might look like that's it's not about really changing from that paper what we see our preference and and we we respect that there are a number of views about what it might look like but our, our preference is that we allow enable really um a second division to emerge from many teams who uh, are already strong have a strong tradition a strong history and some new teams at time, probably some new entities that might be interested Allow them to ball, allow them to come forward uh, and play at a level that is beyond the current state-based NPO level. Now and let that level um, find itself. You don't need to set it arbitrarily. I mean that's I think personally what the A League did wrong, where they just set a level that they thought it, it should be out many years ago, and just couldn't it didn't meet um, with public uh, support and demand beyond maybe a year or so when people were interested in in um, having a look. So you don't set arbitrary levels. You are where you are. You know, we'd love to have, wouldn't it be great if this country could support $50 million budget teams at the top level and $25 million budget teams at the second? We can't. Just not there. Now that's not to be criticized. We should be proud of our history in this game. It was formed by people that came to this country from all sorts of parts of the world. They all formed their teams. They all uh, have a great history, they all have their own history, um, their own uh, proud uh, volunteerism, achievement within whatever they could do, all of them. So that's where we are. That's, you know, it isn't better, it isn't worse, it just is. So that's it. that should be our starting point. Now, does it, is it enough to support uh, a game being at a particularly high dominant commercial level in Australia? Well, probably not. And, and I think striving for that constantly means that we fail. We don't need to be failing. We need to be um, um, celebrating where we are as an achievement rather than really um, complaining that we are not, about where we're not and considering it a failure. That's, I just I just find that uh, astounding that we don't do that enough. We are uh, really right. um, a sport going to be built um, by many um, people who've come here over the last three, four, two, three, four, five generations. And it's a sport that's done I think exceptionally well. Yeah, of course, you could find fault, but but that's not um, what we should be focusing on. We should be focusing on what we've done and allowing the game to organically grow from where it was. Yeah, yeah. Serve the people. Uh, it's you know it's the people's game. It just serves the people. It's not there yeah. for a purpose. Yeah. So that's that's what we want to do. So the second division is not about um, setting it at a level. It's about saying, Can we improve, increase the number of strong clubs that play in this country? Yes, they're there. Uh, Let's tap their potential. Why wouldn't we? Why would we restrict their growth? And from there, you'll have stronger clubs, more places for players to play, uh, many more spots for um, um, young men, young women um, who really reach a level that perhaps the jump to an A-League or a W-League is too high immediately. Let them find the level, let them play the game, let them enjoy it. They might never become A League or W League players, but they might love their club where they play for 10 years and become administrators um, or become sponsors. Uh, who knows? So allow that to happen is what we say. Don't, don't restrict it. Let it happen. Let the clubs take the risk. Let them that they want to do it. Why are we stopping them? That's that's really the fundamental approach that our clubs are taking at the moment.
0: Yeah, amen to that. I think um, the book that I just got the other day, actually, from Joe Gorman, um, The Death and Life of Australian Soccer, I am really excited to read this. It's something that has really intrigued me for a long time. I guess it celebrates the the uh, imperfections and the uniqueness of the game. And I think, uh, as someone who likes to be an optimist, as I pride of myself in being an optimist of this game, um, Australian football is unique. Australia is like no other country on earth. You have. I can walk down, you know, the, the streets of my suburb, and the the amount of uh, cultures and and um, styles of uh, food or just natural like you know discourse that we have it's, it's really unrivaled by any other country that I've been to um, as of mm-hmm. yet. And I think uh, why not embrace um, what we have right now and uh, let's celebrate the state of football in this country and attempt to build it to a point. There's no point being... I mean, to a degree, there is a point of being um, frustrated and upset. But ultimately, the fact that we are here in the first place, that I stand here on my two feet, um, supporting an Australian football club, number one, is the thing that I should not be taking for granted at all. And... um yeah, so that's, that's that's all I've got to say regarding that. And I guess as we uh, do delve into this conversation about the second division or the championship, I like the championship a little bit more. Um, as we've heard from commentators in our game, I'd say I, I spoke to, I think it was a Nick Rapolo. He's a journalist at um, FTBO the other week. And I said that this would be sort of the second revolution of Australian football, this COVID break. And the amount of discussion that has gone on um, through the likes of Golden Generation Group, uh, the to Sport. Uh, specials that aired on Facebook um, we've heard that a large driving force of those conversations and as you heard um, uh, this past week with Simon Hill and Kalach on their podcast um, that a need for more professional players is of utmost importance um, and can you just give us a guide as to what the championship as you, you talk about it's the purpose that it's, that's, that it's meant to serve to the country uh, but broadly, the match day experience and I guess the, um, how can we expect that to be like? It will be, so, and I guess I'll just let you take the, take the frame.
1: Yeah, well, firstly, I'm glad you brought back the, the term, the championship that we, we initially termed the division that we want to introduce. It's important, I think, because what the National Second Division connotes is perhaps an, an immediate sense of promotion and relegation. Because you can't be second if there's no first. Exactly. So, and at the moment there isn't a link in and we don't actually push for it right now because the game is where it sits there is an A-League and there isn't a second division that's the fact um, there hasn't been promotional obligation that's a fact um, and we do not we're not about destroying the A-League so what we're saying is if I was an A-League um, uh, team now I'd be saying well if I got relegated where would I go um, there is nowhere I could really fall into. Now, that's a structure that we've got. So, but if we sit there and say, well, look, it would be good if we could one day uh, have the benefits that promotional legation bring, then what we need to do is build that bridge. So we want to firstly build the bridge. And if we build that bridge um, into and build that division, let's call it just a division that is sits somewhere between our present NPL state comps uh, and the A-League, let that grow, let that fill that gap, and let's see what it does. And then that will bring really... Um, a home for many many um, players to uh, develop their abilities Uh, it will bring uh, extra extra stations really for people to play at so that's that's the starting point now what will they do Um, because they will bring really uh, the supporters that they the support that they can bring to the game is different to that of the A-League they'll play different stadiums and they'll be able to develop them. you've got some I mean I know for example in Melbourne at the moment you've got Heidelberg is doing some great things at their ground. They're, they're, they've got some great development going on. I know that um, you know, the Melbourne Knights have got plans for, the, for where, where they own their own land. They've got great things going on. Uh, Hume in Melbourne's north has got a great little stadium and potential development. There are, there are, development, there are development opportunities all over. That's just Melbourne. Then, of course, I've seen, I've been around the country a bit and seen what some Sydney teams are doing, what some Brisbane teams are doing. Adelaide, uh, the two Adelaide, uh, previous, uh, West Adelaide and Adelaide City have got great developments going on. I'm aware of. Not, I don't want to leave anybody out here. So, those those sort of small boutique stadiums bring different experiences mm. and allow people to get closer to the players. And I think
0: we, to, sorry, yeah. but I think as we've seen, even these boutique stadiums that get utilised in the A League, like likes of um, Dolphin Stadium in, um, uh, in I think was it Redcliffe? Is that Mark? right? I think I'm not uh, Silver, right. one of the Cliffs. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I guess Western United have attempted that. There are some talks about them potentially uh, playing some games at West, uh, Melbourne Knights as a ground next season. Um, so, and also uh, some, there, has, there has to be another team that's played at Boutique Stadium. Even the Boutique Stadiums, like um, Cooper Stadium and HV, HBF Park, the atmosphere there. Um, there's a football grounds at the four, at the, the foremost, and um, mm. and they provide the best atmosphere. And I think uh, yes. that's ultimately if that's what the national second division sorry that was at the championship sorry my, my apologies if that's what the championship will bring then you can uh, even at lakeside um going going to that south yes. melbourne versus sydney fc ffa cup tie 3 years ago i remember was just one of the most amazing nights of my life just and i'm a victory fan and you know, just I wouldn't,
1: keep, I wouldn't keep admitting that if I were you. But anyway, keep going, here. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, for me, beauty is passion. You know, for me yeah. to see the passion yeah. of just like five thousand, six thousand people, um, picking out Lakeside for a, for a tie like that, even though it was a four four one um loss you still felt that even when that first goal, well, that, I forgot who scored that goal. Was it Lujic? It could have been. I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, what I was going to say to you, um, Anil, though, is that the key word you mentioned is passion. So that whether it's 500 at a game, at a particular lower level game, or you know 100,000 at, at a massive match somewhere, provided you've got passionate supporters, what, what we want to avoid is, is not having the sort of people that might come once, might come twice, can take it or leave it, it should it should mean something if you win or lose. Now what what we're seeing as you what you experienced that night was was the passion of the of the supporters of South Melbourne. Now, you can go around the country and you'll see similar passion at whatever level. And again, this is this is the thing that's keen. So you want to make sure the whoever's going, cares and is invested. And what we think is that the second division will bring is is the support of the team of uh, of those teams is comprised of. Supporters who are invested in those clubs big time, so they care. It matters to them. They hurt if they lose. They celebrate if they win, and that I think is what the second division will bring, because uh, that is not uh, there at the level it should be at the moment in the Australian game. And that sort of passion, at whatever again, at whatever level, you can see a thousand people having a great time, but you know that they're really invested and really caring, and that's where uh, later um, your volunteers come from. and and you know a, a volunteerism really is an expression of optimism you know you don't know many volunteers who are, who are pessimistic they, they do things because they see they see um, a bright future they see an opportunity that they see uh, an an improving future and that's and, and that really and those people come from having been involved uh, at a level where the, where their passion has been ignited and they're still in the game many many years later so if we're going to build a base we've yes. got to allow uh, those the people that love the game to stay in it, express themselves as best yeah. they can. Not not exclude them, or not try and divert them. And people, yeah, you know, some will say, well, we're not excluding them. We're giving them an opportunity. Here you go, volunteer. Um, please support um, a team that we made for you yesterday. Well, many won't, because you, they, they just can't do that. So that that's what we want to do. The, the yeah. second division, which is what it will become, but not what it will start out being. So what what is The division that we are creating, which is really a division above the NPL, is to enable more clubs to grow and more players to grow within them and more supporters, administrators, coaches, referees, to have an opportunity to express themselves at a higher level and to grow. That's really what we're about.
0: Yeah, I think that's that. You couldn't have summed it up more perfectly, in my view. And I think uh, the recent revelations from James Johnson—he have uh, first of all, number one, uh, a month ago, winter moved, winter move for the A League, uh, domestic transfer system. That's that there are some from what I understand, contingency plans for that. Uh, how do you interpret that? How does the AFC, uh, AAFC, interpret that those decisions? Um, and how do you view this as an opportunity to strengthen? Um, the championship. Um, I don't imagine it would um, weaken it in any way. Um, no, but that's just no. my opinion.
1: No, um, the transfer fees is something that that this country has been crying out for for a long time. Uh, it's not, it's it's one of a number of measures that really should be introduced. Their absence, or really their uh, yeah, their absence or their effective abolition um, was part of a um, a model that was. Uh, an arbitrarily set was a restricted model was part of the original a-, a league model and it does and it's part of a model that really i think has shown itself not to have worked so the the reintroduction is in a way it depends what what they look like but in a way they really amount to no more than um again lifting a restriction because transfer fees are a natural part of of the world when if someone you know if a player is registered somewhere goes somewhere else mm-hmm. etc there's there's something that is someone wants something they pay for itself so, so now, uh, it's a big topic and I don't want to get into it in great detail because, of course, Absolutely. there's a big player, player movement and the like involved and, and, and there are people that know more about it than I do. But, but uh, what we see is a general proposition. Um, reintroducing them will be a positive for football, a positive for the development of players and a positive for the development of clubs. So we support it. Uh, we want to see what it looks like, but we support it. As far as the alignment of the game to winter goes, now... There are uh, competing views. I must say, some of our members prefer to play in summer. Um, there are many things to be said for playing in summer. But
0: so to Jack. But was the um, prior to this to this winter announcement was the national second division due to be played in winter or or summer? There,
1: there, were, there was no decision made about that. Um, we were talking about whether we align it with the A League wherever the A League plays or not. Um, our preference was to align it with the A League. Um, so, so that in, in time, there will be that connection. It wouldn't be, of course, immediate, but in time, there will be the connection. Of course, we also want to be connected. It's very important to note here that this new division will be connected to the NPL all the way down, promotional legation below, so that we want to be connected all the way down. This is not a new division which is not connected, which is just another isolated, um, exclusive division. It's, the idea of this division is that its initial um, clubs are not its permanent only clubs. That can go up and down, so that's just a starting point. But I think very, very importantly, uh, and something to th- think about and remember here is that we're a large country. Um, winter in some parts of our, our world, you'll go up to Sydney, go up to Brisbane, is you know they call it winter. I wouldn't call it winter myself. And playing uh, in, in those climates, um, uh, uh, yeah,
0: un- un- yeah, inconceivable. Not an
1: issue, probably. really, even in Melbourne, if you're playing in a nice stadium. So it, it is more difficult. Uh, I think we. Um, one of the sentiments with which I agree with James Johnson about, and I've said it myself many times in the past is, and I said it on this interview earlier, we need to be what we are. So this idea of our game running from sports, running for space, running for uh, clean air, running for whatever you want to call it, means that we're always running. We need to settle to, we need to find out what we want to do, where we want to be. On this I completely support what FFA's present direction is and stick to it. And let it, let it be what it is. Let, we we will have our own supporters. And if somebody wants to go and watch an AFL game instead of our game, well, that's life. We have to accept and understand that and attract their own supporters. And as far as then where our division sits, we see that as um, sitting in alignment as the um, as the FFA is proposing. And I think there's something else here that I, I, I think bears thinking about, and it's one of those... Um, Areas that's I think informed our thinking, especially I suppose my thinking personally, and that is that a league system, any league that goes over 20, 25, 30, 35 weeks, depending, really is built on routine and continuity. And summer is very difficult for that. If you look at what happens in summer, we've got short spurt sports, a month of tennis, a bit of golf. Yeah, the big bash as
0: well. As we've seen uh, with the Big Bash, um, their mm. short form eight or nine game competition was expanded to 15 or 14 games. Yeah. And as a result, the the interest is flailing. And I think yes. uh, longevity yes. hasn't so much been for the A-League a, a mishap, but... Um, it's, it's very hard to capture the Australian consumer's attention for a long period of time, especially in summer where, um, you know, someone's going up to Queensland, someone's going up to WA, someone's, someone's going up to Tasmania, or going down Tasmania, actually. Um, but uh, it's, some,
1: it's a summer issue, Neil, so that, again, Big Bash was, was a classic paradox in that it's built on a quick game. On a very short form game, and then they wanted to make it a longer season. And of course, it, it, having attracted people to it in the first place who were attracted to the short form bash, so to speak, as the name connotes, and they, then they're asking to they stick for long term. doesn't work, but that's, that's a big bash. But summer is really built on um, small, short, you know, you go to festivals, you go not only sport, you're competing with a beach in summer. Hey, but you, you get the, the festival
0: of football, Nick. You
1: get the festival of football, you know? Well, there you go. There you go. So you're competing, you're competing with uh, all manner of, of small things. But I think settling into a season, as as we do in winter, you settle in from March, let's say. We can go a bit early in February, take in a bit of the warm weather. But you settle in. And if you look at your life, and I've said this to so many people, look at your life between October and April, and then look at it between April and October. The October to April bit has all sorts of disruption. You might've changed year in school. You might've changed year at university. You might've, you know, you've ended a year. You've had a Christmas break. You might've gone away. You've had all, all sorts of things that have disrupted your life. Whereas you settle in, you know, winter is, you know, the days are shorter. The time is routine. You're at work. You, you might go away for a bit, but by and large you're in a routine and it's easier, easier I think, to follow a league and, and and forget, and let's not forget the one fundamental thing we're probably forget, forgetting to our both our discredit, and that's the game, the quality of the game itself. You know, asking our footballers to play in thirty-five degree yeah, heat,
0: abhorrent heat conditions, yeah,
1: it's ridiculous. So, yeah, you know, and then to try and run away from the heat, we we'll do it at night time, we we'll do it at this time. You know, we, we the best football is played. You know, we know when it's played and what the temperatures are like and what players like. So, to me, You're even to seeing me, with. Yeah, I think even seeing with the... Yeah. Yep. It is mean, a confidence and a certainty. So I, I actually support it. I'm, I'm open-minded about it. Look, I understand we've got ground restrictions in Australia. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's, I think that's going to be a really big issue, I think for the Melbourne club especially.
1: Um, yeah, we do have restrictions and I understand it. So therefore, uh, there are issues to consider beyond just what I've said. Uh, and it's a, it's a complex area. and It's something that the FFA will work through, but we support the alignment.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a very important thing. I think for me, initially, my I went to complacency, but my worry was with the um, interest of other sports. I Well, first of all, um, I used to follow the AFL a uh, lot. I'm a Carlton supporter, so you probably know how that went. Um, but uh, for me... Football in winter has the ability to be very successful. Um, it's a matter of time, really. And I think uh, for, for how my how my um, sort of timeline in my head goes is that um, national second of, well championship gets implemented, then the women's world cup um, comes and goes, and then the interest will get us sky sky high in my, in in a sort of Australian football uh, utopia. Uh, but you know, we as 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 you know, um, being involved in the game for so long, not everything goes your way. Um, but there 's definitely hope for for the future in regards to that. I just thought of uh, i just like to as you mentioned about the promotion relegation that seems to be the main concern is that the need for promotion relegation we need it immediately there are obviously a lot of roadblocks to that and i 've been in the same view and we have to build up the second well, the championship clubs um, to a level in order so that in order for them to actually be close to a-league competition. How many FFA Cup upsets do you see? Not a lot. Um, so, and especially, and those, and those A-League teams are what, two weeks in preseason anyway? Um, Mm. well, now there won't be, those will definitely sort of draw, draw the line as to where it will be, um, in the next year's edition of the FFA Cup. But, uh, yeah, just to go on from that, uh, with obviously the, all these, the the A-League license, it's a license for a reason. You have it for a certain period to strip Western United of their license three years in or four years in as if they get relegated. They're doing pretty well this year. To be fair, um, would be would be quite disastrous. Uh, just your view on the timeline for for promotion relegation. Um, in in your view, um, with your crude knowledge of um, A League licences and, and CPO and licensing agreements.
1: Well, um, it's not about the licenses uh, for me. It's about um, if we establish a strong, viable uh, tier between the A League and the MPL a tier into which there can be relegation. I mean, you can't have promotion and relegation if you can't have relegation. That's, that's a primary issue at the moment. So if you if you come out of the A-League and you've got nowhere to go, it won't work. So put aside licensing for a minute. You've got to have viability. You, know, you can't have a team fall into somewhere where they won't survive. Now, that's a reality. Whether it's good, right, wrong, morally, it moral, doesn't matter. It, it's, it's our present reality. So that's fine. So I don't want to put a timeline on promotion and relegation because... Um, it depends on how well the, this the championship goes. If we were to say um, promotion and relegation, or say relegation, will be introduced in fifteen years, in twenty thirty five, right? Oh, but the t- national. School, but just 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 posit yeah. it for a minute. Yeah, Brilliantly, tell you what's going to happen. Everyone's going to want it in two two years later. Forget twenty thirty five. They're going to want it in twenty twenty five. Conversely. You and I and the powers that be can sit here and say we'll have pro rail by 2025. And, um, ah, uh, you know, see, it's, 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 so, so, it's, it's sort of
0: like a what I'm and, gauging uh, from this, it's like sort of like a reverse yeah, psychology kind of type of
1: thing. Yeah. Again, again, we've got to walk away and get away from this planning business because we don't know what it's going to look like. So, that's a very good point, actually.
0: Never thought about it that way.
1: And it's a shocker. And it's, let's say it's a shocker, the clubs don't step up, they don't do the job, there won't be promotion relegation even if it's mandated for 2025 conversely it'll come quickly uh, if it's strong i mean that's just natural and that's what it should be we don't uh, i will be the last person to say to you we should have something by 2025 and come what may that's wrong that's exactly what i'm I'm fighting against that's exactly what my uh, my mantra is not and that is it is what it is so if there's a we set up a good division that is excellent what you'll find everybody will want it from media to supporters to sponsors to the A-League teams, because it'll be desirable. If it's undesirable, nobody will want it. So let's at yeah. least create. An opportunity. Let's at least create um, the, the, the the stepping stone, and let's see where it goes. And let's yeah. do it now. Let's start. That's what we want. We've got. I've got teams around the country who are champing at a bit, who are saying, "I'm ready. I want to start now." Perfect. So let's, even even what, through this even what,
0: through this COVID crisis.
1: Uh, well, not what well, we've got, COVID. I mean, obviously. But, but yes, <laughs> well, obviously,
0: as in, obviously, obviously, no teams will be, like, yeah. Well, we're,
1: we're assuming we'll be okay in a year or so. So let's, obviously not during COVID. No. <laughs> yeah. Obviously. No.
0: Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah. As for the dialogue with the FFA, Simon Hill revealed yeah. on the shim, I kind of, I don't even want to talk about that podcast. Anyway, as, <laughs> to restart that. As for the dialogue with the FFA, um, Simon Hill revealed on the podcast, on his podcast earlier this week, that uh, the AAFC had a week uh, at a meeting with them. First of all, was that on Zoom, yeah. I'm assuming? <laughs> it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, it, was.
1: it was. Don't worry about the play. Yeah, it was. Yes, it was. It was video-
0: <laughs> As for the discussions uh, and dialogue with the FFA, um, how <laughs> urgent are they? I'm, I'm not sure, obviously, the legality surrounding uh, what you are allowed to say or not. Um, and I guess what I wanted to ask was, how is the relationship like with James Johnson as opposed to David Gallup, for, for example?
1: Well, um, look, uh, it, excellent. Um, uh, we, I've got personally the utmost respect for James. Um, he clearly, you know, it, it's, I don't want to sound patronising here because he knows more about the game than I do. He's had great involvement in the game, played at a top level, administered at a much higher level than I've been involved at. So it, it's, it, you know, it's, uh, not for me to, um, his praises, I think his achievements speak for themselves. Uh, his interest in the game speaks for itself. So, um, and we are grateful that and really appreciative that finally we have an FFA that is listening. Now, what they do with that listening, I don't yet know, but they're listening, and, and we've got a board that listens, yeah, uh, and we've got a uh, and we've got a um, a CEO now and an executive team that listens. And as I think I said in the paper that the AFC put out. This hasn't happened before. So there's a bit of criticism out there. There's, there's impatience out there. But let's let's look at the positives, as I said we should. And the positives are that the FFA is listening. They're engaging. Um, we think we have some answers that they're not jumping at, but we would think that, wouldn't we? <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, obviously. that's I, telling people yeah, so supportive. Uh,
0: is it, in terms of the FFA, where do you believe at the moment in this current time the National Second Division sits in terms of the priority the, the world cup hurdle is more or less gone for a bit um yeah, yeah.
1: look i i don't know um and i'm not privy really to um where or the priorities of the ffa are i can say that our, our meeting on monday was a long and positive one uh, it was it was a constructive collaborative one uh, certainly um um ffa gave us an understanding of where they sit on a number of issues for us to consider which we will do uh, and we we're in the process of doing now and we'll be convening club meetings members meetings very soon about that only happened that they got a full-time job as well uh, <laughs> yes sit, obviously <laughs> yeah. um so uh so yes in, in that sense it was positive look we always would want to see more we always would like to see um Uh, movement towards what we think but that's by nature what any group would want i recognize that so um we we at least have a collaborative approach we think um uh, the ffa is moving in the right direction uh we we do i I do still think though that the a-league um considerations because of their uh uncertainty at the moment with the broadcasting. Uh, future yeah. is so uncertain. They've got a one-year deal with Fox. that's difficult to so that, have. Very, and that sort of leads um, me
0: to my next thing, but continue on. Yeah.
1: But, but what I was saying was because of that uncertainty and, and, and the changing landscape there at, at the top tier, and the top tier is, of course, very important for the game. Because of that, um, I think it's hard for uh, yeah, the FFA to set the rest of the game. So th- there's a little bit of uncertainty pervading the game is my sense of it. Now that's not to say that. Yeah,
0: no, yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's been very. It,
1: and I, and I could be wrong, yeah. um, but that's, that's, how, that's my sense. But, uh, but at the same time, at the same time, uh, they're engaging with us and with, not, well, sorry, us, I mean all of the football public, not just AAC, uh, And, I think uh, there's there's goodwill there, there's knowledge there and there's um, an intent, which I'm hoping uh, manifests in what we hope will be really a unified game.
0: That's that's brilliant. And I think uh, as for my final uh, sort of queries, uh, obviously this whole Fox Sports debacle has really plagued the game for the past three months, four months or so finally came to a short-term resolution as for as for if it will be long term that's the question uh, over the past week we've seen the new form of the uh, fox sports broadcast which has been very minimized five cameras which you know in my opinion i think that's sufficient um as for the post, as for the pre-game or lack of pre-game um i'm happy with the clubs to to do that uh victory have victory are launching their own platform city are doing it as well sydney fc are doing it central coast mariners are doing it um, i'm sure the other clubs will will catch suit uh but is that sort of a for where the game will be broke well, for where the championship will be broadcast um will this be contingent on whether a league's being broadcasted or will you see your own independent endeavors
1: Oh no! We expect um, absolutely. We think the championship will be will be broadcast. Um, And again, we've been looking at this at the model of effectively producing our games um, and and putting them on relevant platforms ourselves. Well, as part of a model of a a revenue model that we've been looking at, um, well before what the A League is doing has become public. I mean, obviously, what the A League might have had all sorts of contingent plans unbeknown to us over the years but the, the public model has been the, broad, uh, the Fox Sports model. That, that's, that's what's been out there. And we've been looking at alternate models really for a long time now, trying and, and consulting with people that know, uh, people yeah. that produce games, because there's a lot for us to learn there and there's, and there's a changing landscape, as you know, Neil. So uh, that's where we see it. We see um, uh, our, our, the championship's future being one which captures um, the myriad eyeballs around the country that are interested in their clubs passionately. So if you catch those people, not only are the, are the numbers there, but they're interested in numbers. It's not, it's not a question of getting someone who sort of looks at the game a bit, walks away a bit. These are people who care. And we think, I'm not a marketing expert, but we think that sponsors really would like to have their names out front and centre in front of people who are watching intently and with, with passionate interest. It's a bit of a difference Absolutely. there. You know, people who are just coming in, coming out, etc. So yep. that's part of, part of how we're, we're approaching that
0: um obviously you've seen the the success i think within the MP- MPL victoria and the queensland sydney or well, it's new south wales models with the well npl tv there but the sort of broadcasting on youtube has been pretty successful uh, by my estimates and um had being someone who possesses an MPL media pass and was meant to do commentary due to this well unfortunately due to this covert thing it's sort of stuffed it up temporarily what can you do uh that in my opinion I, I think Opta Sport I see their model what they present I think that they are very passionate about broadcasting the game on a local level with the whole football belong series as we spoke about um the other day as well um and I think the their want for the game to be broadcasted in a more public sphere mm-hmm. has definitely been something that I've caught eye of um they've got a they've already got a large large subscriber base I think uh, the FFA should definitely pursue all options, but for me, it's either up to sport or the FFA TV model that um, has been earmarked by uh, the Golden generation. Um, so I guess my final question, uh, just clocking over an hour now, uh, the expressions of interest that were' uh, I don't know how you say it, publicized earlier this year uh how, well, as you mentioned before there's obviously many clubs that have uh, expressed their interest um has this covid-19 crisis sort of impacted people's willingness to enter the championship and how many clubs in this current space and time um have applied well if you're able to sort of uh, <laughs> reveal that information, how many of, and do you expect, and how large of a competition do you expect it to uh, be at the beginning?
1: We were about to go out to an um, EOI, well, actually, well over a year ago initially, but after the various groups formed the um, second division working group, followed by the steering committee, we we put that on hold. Um, Earlier this year, we're about to go out to a market sounding or an EOI. Then we were hit with, um, uh, COVID, so we didn't do that. Um, the COVID itself, though, has not dampened the interest of, of our interested clubs to ultimately participate. Yes, right, it's, da- it's dampened our ability to immediately do what we want to do, and we were, we we're about to go on a road show and talk to each of those, talk to clubs um, in each state individually, uh, so not individually, individually in states, so three or four, four whatever it was in each yeah. state, g- garner an interest, uh, gather uh specific concerns that apply to each state but we have um numerous interested parties i can tell you that it's probably more than 20 around the country um, which includes which includes um uh you know um, New perhaps, franchises. Uh, collaborations maybe you know in various parts and smaller parts but we've got interest now what would a league look like hard to say but we'd like to see a league of 14 to 16 uh, teams that you know, produces 20, you know, uh, 28, 30 games um, a season, 26, 28, 30 games a season to create proper opportunities for players uh, and for supporters and for everyone else involved. As I said before, administrators, refs, coaches, a whole lot to develop, not just a small type, NYL type of league. We want a proper league. We think that a league like that set at our, at our, at the right level, what it will do is it will attract mostly young players because it won't be, uh, it won't have the sort of money initially involved, which would uh, attract people. You know, a lot of the players that are perhaps a bit older, later 20s, early 30s, who have maybe have other jobs that they can't afford to necessarily leave to go and, you know, play nationally. But some will want to, obviously. So if you allow a league like that to emerge naturally, we think it'll be dominated by younger, up-and-coming talent. Organically, without us mandating that or planning that, just what will happen initially. So we've got a lot of interest. A lot of interest. um, Yeah,
0: Um, and just just to clarify, um, I forgot where the source came from, but someone said that there would be the A League youth teams embedded within the national second division. Um,
1: um, Yeah, yeah, I've heard all that. And look, that obviously hasn't been spoken about in any. um, You know, that's not look. It's not something that the AFC supports. And I can't yeah. see that really happening because that's not...
0: Because if they um, can't compete on the NPL3, why would they be in the AAF? No yeah. disrespect to those youth teams, that's, um, that's, but that's just how I perceive it personally. I yes. think that... Uh,
1: look, yeah. And also it's about... That also comes down to defining what a second division is or the championship is. And if it's about um, being a level that's um, above the current NPL level and sitting somewhere below the, the A-League level, uh, then it's not really conducive to that sort of thing exactly. um, so that's that, that's a different issue but again, there are nuances within all of that, and i'm not here to i'm not here to set you know, to set what the league is Certainly the AFC is not about that we're about creating um, stronger clubs and Perfect. the a league is already there so you're not creating stronger clubs and more clubs if you're just populating that division uh, with teams from Pre-existing you know, yeah from the existing thing. yeah so you're not doing that so therefore it, for our for our for our perspective it defeats that purpose so that's not what we're supporting
0: that just about concludes i think we're pretty much just on bang on an hour actually uh thank you so much nick for this uh very um, cultivating and um captivating experience for myself and i think for everyone that's been listening to the podcast uh for the past couple of months um, I, for one, am a, a huge supporter of the implementation of the championship. I have been for a long time. I actually looked through my Facebook sharing and what I've done like 2018, 2017, um, when you guys came out with uh, with some statements regarding that, when when the competition would be implemented. I've it's, it's, it, This extends beyond um, just passion for football. I think it's passion for communities. Um, the opportunities that you could, open for for local businesses that the amount of revenue streams that 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 will be tapped into will be innumerable and uh it's it's a we may be playing the waiting game now but I'm sure we will reap the rewards um in the near future whether it be two years whether it be three years who knows but um the COVID-19 crisis has just sort of played everything with uncertainty and it's a yeah that's that's pretty much all I've got to say
1: Keep up the interest, uh, Neil, because one thing I'll finish on is uh, a couple of years ago, when we we threw up this idea, it was met almost uh, immediately with a put down from David Gallup. It was met with um, great scepticism by almost every media outlet, uh, reporter, um, public commentator. It's now, I think, almost universally accepted. Everyone talks about it as though it will happen. That's what we want. We want it to be part of the discussion. People can have their views. People can have their different formats. We welcome all of that. We don't have all the answers. We don't think, we we don't purport to have all the answers. Um, We're listening. But what's important is that the FFA has now put it on its agenda. It's recognised the need for it. It's passed a resolution recommending its formation and formed the Second Division Steering Committee. Uh, And really every media outlet I read and almost every article I read mentions it in one way, shape or form in a way that was not part of the conversation in this country um, two or three years ago. And that is really, I think, part of the ultimate uh, inclusion and unifying discussion that we will ultimately get to slowly, but we will get there. So that's the aim. Let's let's all work towards it. Thanks very much for the the opportunity to speak uh, with you and um, your listeners. Thanks very much, Neil.
0: No worries. Thank you very much, Nick. Have a wonderful day, and uh, hopefully we'll get through this crisis together. But there's a there's a bright, bright future for Australian football waiting um, at the end of the rainbow. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you.